I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 180 for the weekend starting 23 June 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Vodacom breaks the 500 megabits a second mobile download barrier. Yes. <laughs> Does it actually mean much? Also this week, Uber's CEO quits. That was unexpected. Liquid yep. Telecom outlines its plans for Neotel. Plus, it seems you can now root your drone. Mm. And of course, the pick of the steam summer sale. Well, shouldn't that be winter sale? Yes. And uh, time to untangle those XLR cables for another podcast. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Duncan? Let's do our quiz. Do you want to start? Yes. First question in this week's quiz. Liquid Telecom has said this week it is issuing a new bond seeking to raise how much money? For a bonus point, who is the lead advisor? Second question. Uber CEO Travis Kalanick, I think that's how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. quit this week. Which top female technology industry executive has been tipped as a possible successor? The third question, Civic, the new startup led by South African tech entrepreneur Vinnie Lingham made how much money this week in an initial coin offering? That's quite amazing. Uh, fourth question, Amazon this week announced it was buying which physical world retailer and for a bonus point, how much is it paying? And the last question, how many companies have taken advantage of a sunrise phase to register their trademarks as .Africa domains? And we'll, we'll take that answer to the nearest 100. Great. We'll get to our quiz results at the end of the show, as we always do. But um, lots to talk about this week, Rechot. Oh, yeah. um, uh, we had some good podcasts, before I forget, um, over the last couple of weeks. Oh, yes. I've been enjoying them. They've been great. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned the Microsoft one. We had a, one with the Chief Innovation Officer of Microsoft South Africa, uh, Clifford. Uh, it was a great discussion yes. um, on uh, their plans to build data centers here and what they really mean. Uh, enjoyed that discussion. Clifford Divitt, uh, Chief Innovation Officer of Microsoft. Go have a listen to that if you're interested in, in the cloud computing space and what's happening on the ground here in South Africa. And then the other inter interesting interview I did uh, a couple of days ago uh, via Skype from San Francisco was with none other than Vinnie Lingham, mm, uh, now, now founder and uh, CEO of Civic, uh, which is the digital um, ID company that uses the blockchain for, for digital uh, identity management. Uh, very interesting the startup that um, that Vinny's running there. But uh, he ran a uh, he ran a an initial what's called an initial coin offering this mm. week. I still haven't quite got my head around exactly what that is. <laughs> um, but he raised. Go listen to the podcast again, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I must say we did record that quite late at night, South African time. So uh, I was half asleep when it was going on. But um, <laughs> it, uh, it which is not great for when you're trying to absorb complex subjects. But uh, he raised thirty three million US dollars through that process. Phenomenal. Um, and uh, uh, he's our uh, well. He's our winner this week. We'll get to that a bit later in the show. But let's talk about the news this week. And um, one uh, story that grabbed my attention was that uh, Vodacom announced that it has tested LTE on its network at over 500 megabits per second. Um, quite phenomenal, really. That is pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Um, of course, the immediate thought that comes to mind is, I wonder how much uh, you, how, how much uh, money you could burn through <laughs> at uh, two rand a megabyte out of bundle at 500 megs a second. Yeah, look, I'm not sure, so sure it's going to be good for the consumers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not at the data prices, but um, it's a nice feat. Uh, it's an, uh, nice that we are able to get to that. But, but yeah. yeah, tell me a little bit. Yeah, so they did it at their offices in Nelspreit on the 6th of June uh, using all three of Vodacom's frequency bands. So that's uh, the 900 megahertz band, 
the 1.8 gigahertz band and the 2.1 gigahertz band. They use 10 megs at 900, 10 megs at 1.8, and 15 megahertz at 2.1. Hmm. Um, they were only able to do this in a, uh, a test environment, if you like, sure. because um, they, c- they can't use all of those bands to refarm their existing um, 2G and 3G customers. So they can't really deploy this technology in the wild mm-hmm. yet. Uh, not until they get access to more bandwidth. Um, what they did, and it gets a bit technical, but they, what they did was they used something called 4x4 four four multiple uh, input, multiple output, or MIMO, and 256 quadrature amplitude modulation, or 256 QAM. Yeah, I don't know exactly what to do. It's pretty interesting. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask for it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, I mean, I'm just reading here from their statement. The 4x4 MIMO feature uses four antenna ports to transmit and receive data, which in turn requires specialized antennas on base stations as well as accompanying smartphone antennas. Uh, the internal smartphone modem has to be capable of supporting four different data streams, the company explained. The 4x4 MIMO or MIMO feature also means that the data connection between the base station and the mobile device consists of up to four separate data streams. And then the 256 QAM is a higher modulation scheme, which also increases the amount of data carried in an Mm -hmm. LTE signal. Now, what they used here was a a modified Samsung Galaxy S8 handset. It had some special software on it that allowed for, and again, I'm quoting here, triple band carrier aggregation, 4x4 MIMO, and 256 QAM all at the same time. Look, in in a nutshell, this is really multi-threading those Wi-Fi signals, hyper-threading. We were speaking about that uh, last last week week with the CPUs, yeah. Mm. Um, and, and if you do that, if you if you amplify, you know, the amount of streams that can talk to a device, you can obviously increase that the, the data over each stream, yeah. Um, and then have multiple ten megabytes or multiple twenty megabytes or how whatever that stream is consisting of yeah. uh, inputs. Great technology, and uh, I mean, it's only going to lead to us having phones one day that's going to allow these super fast speeds. But I yes. guess the technology at the de- of the day will require mm. something faster. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. This needs the latest handsets. So they tested this on a, a pre-release Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. Uh, they used the Ookla speed test platform, which is the um, pretty much the standard for speed tests on the Internet. Mm. And the peak speed they got was 549.99 megabits a second. That's nice. Um, that is very nice. So, yeah, that's at a speed we're talking I mean, that's, uh, that's five times the speed of my fiber connection at home. Mm. Uh, over the, over a mobile connection, which is pretty impressive. And your, your biggest roadblock there is still going to be the service you connect to mm-hmm. on the internet at that speed. I mean, we're finding it with fiber at the moment. Yeah, yeah. and of course, this is all theoretical, um, mm. done in a test environment at their office. Yeah. <laughs> in practice, uh, we're not going to see commercial speeds like this in the hands of consumers for quite a long time to come. Um, and we also, of course, have to wait for more spectrum to be allocated. Yes. But look, I can see this type of technology finding its footholding firstly in places of large public gathering potentially mm. you know mm. shopping malls music stadiums because that's when those multiple bands will come in handy to serve more people yes. uh, as well yes um, but yeah no they need the most they need the additional spectrum because they can't they simply can't use for example their 900 megahertz band to do this because mm. you know people still need to make voice calls <laughs> Who does voice calls these days? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Actually, actually, I'm trying to make more voice calls because I find messages that don't always get across with yeah. the right, you know, with, if you're speaking to certain people, you yeah. need to phone them or yeah. certain yeah. customers or, you know, vo- text just doesn't seem yeah. to always cut it. I think if you're a techie, you can uh, text all the time, but uh, if you need to talk to uh, the real world, <laughs> talk, talk to people who see the sunshine from time to time, you probably need to make a phone yeah, yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah, look, we all use Hangouts for the real conversation, but sometimes you have to phone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. 
Um, but um, incredible speeds, and um, it just shows us where we where where this uh, technology is going eventually, um, mm. and where f- where the four G technology is going to take us. We're not even talking five G yet. This is four G technology. Um, so this MIMO is very interesting. MIMO, MIMO, MIMO. 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce it. MIMO. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's um, you know with the right spectrum, uh, you know you can do some pretty impressive stuff now mm. with 4G LTE technology, um, and gigabit speeds can't be that far off now in terms of test environments. Uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year one of the operators, possibly Vodacom, has uh, tested a one gig connection in there. Because yeah. uh, in theory, the Samsung Galaxy S8 is actually a gigabit LTE device. Um, so in yeah. theory. Yeah. If you're standing right in front of the base station getting cancer, you can probably <laughs> get Look, I mean, these chipsets, um, I'll, I would be surprised if most of today's new phones within the last year does not have at least some of the required mm. chipsets for some of these um, multiple input, multiple output technologies. Mm. Mm. But they're just disabled on the firmware. Well, because some of, of local the, well, they're not, they're not even disabled on the firmware. They're available if the mo- oh, so it's unlocked. Oh, yeah, 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 if the network enables it, then you can use it. Yeah, I remember my back in my days when, when I was still working in that cell phone industry, working with one of the the mm. brands. There was a requirement for some of the some of the features to be unlocked mm. by the operators for whatever reason, mm. um, or whether it's local conditions or whatever. It was quite a quite interesting they would, that they would do that, but you can unlock some of that with the right tools, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, um, as you know, I use, um, I'm currently using Telcom Mobile as my uh, mobile network, mm. and um, I'm using an S8 as well. And uh, when I um, drive around town now, I'm regularly connecting to Telcom's LTE Advanced Network, 4G+. Um, as far as I know, they're the only network commercially available right now. Maybe Rain is available. I'm not sure Rain Wireless mm-hmm. Business Solutions, of course, building a 4G plus network as well. Yes, yes. But I certainly don't think that uh, MTN and Vodacom have commercial 4G net, 4G plus I- infrastructure on the ground. I think maybe in the Gautrain stations and a few limited areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty broadly getting a 4G plus connection on Telcom right now. Oh, um, I don't know if they're implementing this 4x4 MIMO, probably not. In fact, I know they're not because they're just using the 2.6 gigahertz band. Mm. Uh, I remember speaking to Telcom and they said that they're actually trying to um, use their technology to discourage phones from roaming onto or, or connecting to that 2.6 gig network because the 2.6 gig network is actually meant for fixed wireless LTE for you know fixed line replacement, broadband replacement at home. Oh, interesting. Um, but the S8 is very aggressively connecting to it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since it's a higher frequency, um, but I, you know, I get some great speed tests out of it. I've, um, you know, I, I do speed tests wherever I go, and I did one one uh, particular shopping centre the other day. I got a speed of over ninety megs a second. Sure, um, that's a bird. And that was over an LTE. I, mean, I was going to ask you earlier, how many, how many uh, speed tests do you do on a weekly average? A lot. I do a few. I do a lot, but I'm on, on a, this Freemi 20 gig plan, so I don't really care. Yeah, um, but I mean, you, use it, you don't just do it for the fun of it. You kind of check where you are, or like just at home too, when I need to test something. Yeah. If something's not working 100%, yeah. just quickly do a speed test. Make sure that if I see that's a strong, not Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> if I see a strong LTE connection, especially now if I see a strong 4G plus connection, I just fire up speed tests and do mm. a speed test just out of curiosity. And you obviously like into you save all your because you can actually go back and see all of your speed yeah you can seen that, yeah. you can yeah um, uh, but yeah no I, 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 sl- I still have to break the 100 meg uh, I think I still have to break the 100 meg on mobile uh, I've obviously done it on fixed line now uh, now I'm curious what my fastest speed test ever was hmm. <laughs> I'll let you know later sure can you rank it like that in the results um, no you can just flip through I think flip through and just okay. see uh, okay 
Um, but my fastest was, I'd have to go and look back and look, but it was something above 90 megs a second on, on mobile. Um, on on fixed, actually, I, I got my best, I'm just leaning over to my phone here, I got my best uh, speed test ever over Wi-Fi uh, the other day at the Facebook offices. Oh, yes, um, I saw that. And I tweeted it. Um, it was something insane, especially the upload speed. I think the upload was something like 350 megs a second. Um, I think the down was 220 or 240 megs a second. Hmm. Now that was on a, a what I presume was a symmetrical one gigabit per second fiber connection over very good Wi-Fi infrastructure. Oh um, yeah. The, in fact, I was standing in the reception with the Wi-Fi hotspot uh, hot in the roof oh, right, right above you. Uh, so um, yeah, you can rank speed test according to downloads. But oh, my can. fastest uh, over uh, uh, over LTE was 74.36 meg down. How do you do it? Where do you go? Um, so if you go results. into, yeah, click on results and you just click on the tab on top that says download. Or oh, there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There we go. So at Facebook's offices in Bryanston, I got 230.5 megabits per second down and 308.8 megabit per second up. Fastest I ever, just let me look here. Um, trying to find, it doesn't rank it by LTE, so you can't, but I've got some pretty impressive speeds here. Um, now, the fastest download ever was 230 megs a second. Oh, there we go. The fastest LTE, 96.83. Uh, my fastest upload was 308. Second fastest, 299. It helps me get to the right places, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but very, very impressive new uh, 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 internet speeds at the Facebook office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, probably enough of that. Let's move on with our news. Um, and what do you make of this Uber announcement that the CEO is stepping down? It seems quite dramatic. It seems quite dramatic, but if I follow the news over the last few years and just some of the scandals that Uber has been involved in, I think they need a serious look at how they do certain things, you know, especially in the context of South African taxi drivers, uh, South African Uber taxi drivers. Mm. Um, yeah, I think... I don't know, but um, it's something needed to change in that business, I think. And, and maybe that was the change. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to, uh, I, I, mean, I kind of feel sorry for the guy in a way. I mean, you know, you start a company at so, so successful, you pour your life into it, and then uh, your investors come along and kick you out. Mm. Um, it happened to Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, Steve Jobs was uh, a very unpleasant person, you know, uh, uh, very um, set in his ways and very um, difficult to work with. Um, Travis Kalanick appears also to be a very difficult person but to Steve work Jobs with. Steve Jobs never as, I think, controversial um, or, or in terms of his business. I mean, Apple was never really embroiled in this kind of controversy in so many countries that it was in. That's true. I think they only had yeah, manufacturing issues at, for the most part. Yeah, his management style was, 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 was difficult. I mean, apparently mm. he was a really difficult man to work for. Um, but yeah, maybe it's a different set of issues here. But you know, you're building a fast-growing company like this. What happens to Uber now? You know, without mm. his direction, does it does it do what an Apple did and get into some difficulty? Uh, does he return at some point? Um, you well, know? Maybe they've got somebody that could actually steer this company in the upward direction. Yeah, maybe because Uber does need. I mean, what's going to happen with auto or vehicle automation uh, once you know that kind of horse bolts mm. for the consumer? 
or commercially, uh, yeah. your business model is going to change to that kind of system. Yeah. And, and I think you need somebody strong to. He was take certainly. It into I mean, he approach. certainly played hard assed He, he mm. was. Um, you know. You know. I mean, the example is a good example is probably the tipping issue in Uber. You know, he was always mm. dead set against that. Even though there were reports of many Uber employees who wanted to introduce t- tipping into the app, there many, uh, probably the majority of taxi drivers would want tipping yeah. that built into the app, and certainly a lot of consumers want to be able to tip in the app. Now they're introducing it for the first time in the U.S. In fact, they just announced this a day after he, he, he resigned as CEO. It's going to be introduced to the whole of North American market by the end of July, I think it is, and no doubt will come to the rest of the world. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, it's perhaps that suggests that the culture at Uber is changing already. Um, you know, do they, do they, do they uh, you know, do they start to admit maybe that they're less of a technology company and more of a transportation company. I mean, mm. the the pitch has always been don't regulate us as a transport company. We're a tech company. We don't own the vehicles. We don't own, we don't, the, the drivers aren't our employees. Um, you know, I suppose if you take a, a cynical view of this, you could, you could argue that, um, that Uber is simply taking advantage of, of, of these uh, drivers and, mm. Uh, mm. um, Checking. Well, they're notoriously difficult to deal with. Even as a driver, mm. apparently, yeah. it's difficult to get hold of them and mm. uh, raise any complaints or grievances mm. you may have. Mm. It's not the right way if you want your customers to entrust the drivers to take you around when you're probably most vulnerable late mm. at night, mm. probably had a few drinks. You know, I want to. I, I used to trust Uber a lot, but now you know I still use them. But you see the headlights. Trust isn't there. No, it's an interesting one, but. Um, you know, he was a hard-driving CEO, and uh, um, he's young. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get booted out of this this multi-billion-dollar corporation startup that you've that you've created. I mean, you're still fabulously wealthy. You own a big chunk of the business, um, but it's not. You know, it's something you've poured it's your life into anymore, for yeah. the last ten years or however long it's been, and uh, now someone else is going to take it over. It must be very difficult. Um, but certainly, they've. Um, They've got cultural issues that they they're they're wrestling with, and uh, you know they brought in Eric Holder, who's the former U.S. Attorney General, to do an investigation into uh, the cultural problems that they've got there. Um, and his report seems to have been quite damning. Mm-hmm. Um, they've um, you know it's it's uh, it's an interesting case study. I'm sure lots of um, MBAs are going to be written about uh, about oh, Uber yeah. and uh, how they've managed their growth. But do you think they're too big to fail? I mean, how many drivers? It's a big part of the business, a big part of the market. I mean, they they own the market. I mean, there's lots of competitors out there, but they're much smaller. Um, mm. I mean, Lyft is probably the the second biggest one in in, in the U.S. market. Um, there are a in couple the US here market, in South Africa. You also, you also have drivers driving for both, so yeah, I guess true. those would be mm. they would be less affected by one of them going down because everybody will migrate to the next platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Uber disappeared overnight, someone would emerge immediately to, to take mm. its place. Um, I, I think the, the market has been proved that there is a demand for on-demand yeah. transport like this. Um, you know, whether Uber has perfected the model or whether it's made serious mistakes in the way it's, um, you know, launched its products, uh, you know, I, I think only time will tell. Um, hmm. but, but certainly they've had growing pains and uh, uh, very serious growing pains. Yeah, I mean, they have to have been very serious growing pains to see the, the exit of the CEO. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be a fascinating company to watch. I mean, they're, yes. I forget what the valuation is, but it's multiple tens of billions of dollars. They haven't listed on a stock market. Presumably that'll come down the line at some point. Mm. Um, uh, I'm sure Travis Kalanick would have wanted to be the person leading that listing, yeah. um, but he's not. 
I think the only question is, is what he does now. Does he go off and do another startup, or does he, does he literally, you know, he's got, he's, a, he's you know, he's, he's, he doesn't have to work again. Mm-hmm. This uh, is where his passion projects will probably drive him. Yeah. Hopefully, they've got some good ones. Mm. And does he come back to Uber eventually? Who yeah, knows? Good questions. Who knows? I'll watch this one closely. Indeed. Let's get uh, back to home again. And uh, I had a great, two actually, two great interviews this week, um, both related to Liquid Telecom. The first was with the group CEO, Nick Rudnick, um, very interesting guy, uh, based in the UK, uh, South African born, though, um, or South African raised. I think he may have been born in Zimbabwe, I'm not sure. Um, but um, Liquid Telecom, hugely successful company. They've built infrastructure right across East Africa, uh, extending down to Southern Africa. And they, of course, bought Neotel earlier this year mm, for six and a half mm. billion rand. They're going to the markets uh, with seeking a $600 million um, bond. Uh, they were looking to raise $600 million through this bond, which uh, I think they're going to do. Uh, they've also raised another $100 million in the form of a long-term bank loan. Uh, so in total, I think the figure they're looking at is around uh, 9 billion rand, $700 million. Uh, a lot of this is going to be uh, poured into South Africa um, to uh, expand the capex at Neotel, mm. uh, where they're going to be investing in uh, data center, expanding their data center, or creating a new data center actually in Johannesburg at their Midrand campus. They're also going to be investing quite heavily in um, in fiber infrastructure, particularly long distance fiber, and in connecting uh, office buildings. Uh, to fiber broadband, um, and they're also looking to exploit their um, their wireless uh, um, spectrum assets, uh, and they've got some very interesting spectrum. I had a great discussion with the new CEO of uh, what used to be called Neotel, now Liquid Telecom South Africa, mm-hmm. um, this week. Um, go check out the story on Tech Central. Quite a detailed piece there, following that interview about what they're planning to do. Uh, Carl Whitehill is the new CEO, very interesting guy, Scottish originally, but I think he said he said to me he left Scotland in 1984, but he still has a very broad Scottish accent. <laughs> um, I was saying to him that uh, it seems that uh, it's only the Scots who, um, it doesn't matter when they leave uh, Scotland, they, they never lose that accent. <laughs> um, but um, um, interesting, interesting uh, guy, and um, I think he's going to do some good stuff there. Uh, but it's particularly in those spectrum assets that... Uh, that I think they're, they're going to play an interesting game because yeah. they've got 850 megahertz. They're the only telecoms operator in South Africa with so-called digital dividend spectrum below 900. Oh, that's um, they a good sh- band to have. They share it with the TV operators, though, so there's oh, some okay. technical complexities there, um, but they can use it uh, through something called geographic interleaving. Um, they basically need to ensure they don't interfere with... Uh, yeah, the, the, signals, the yeah. soapies on SABC one. <laughs> do they jump in between the spectrum? They do. Yeah, That's okay. what exactly what they do. They, in fact, they in certain in areas that. So the broadcasters on the a- analog services um, broadcast using specific frequencies in specific areas, or they call them channels of spectrum. And um, what they do then is uh, in areas where the guard they call it's called a guard band, um, and they use that guard band spectrum uh, where. Um, it's available in the, in a city, for example. Mm. If uh, you know, the SABC is using um, a certain chunk of spectrum in the city and then uses another chunk of spectrum uh, in the next broadcast area alongside the city, then um, there's that that chunk of spectrum between those 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 um, frequencies that they then use to uh, offer uh, services. Now, they've been using the 850 megahertz band to offer CDMA and EVDU. Uh, services. This is legacy yeah, that's wireless <laughs> technology. Yeah. 1990 school. Yeah, it's um, <coughs> it, it's an American technology, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, mm. Uh, CDMA. 
Um, the American cellular networks were built on CDMA technology. Uh, the rest of the world went uh, for GSM. Um, but Neotel rolled out a CDMA network um, based on with with uh, Evdu, which is like the the three G of, of of the CDMA world, mm, mm. and um, they've got about a hundred thousand customers on that uh, network uh, plus their LTE network. They've got a limited number of customers there. The LTE in a network they built at the eighteen hundred in the eighteen hundred megahertz band. Uh, now they've recognized they obviously need to discontinue mm. the CDMA network because it's legacy, it's old. Um, and they're planning to re- probably replace it with um, an LTE, possibly an LTE advanced yeah, network, yeah. and migrate those customers across. Um, but it's what they plan to do with that that's going to be interesting. And we, they, they're still um, busy with the strategizing around that. Um, but I would imagine that they're going to build an LTE network. And I would imagine it would make sense for them. Mm. And Carl Whitehill said that this is certainly something they're going to look at. For them to do something similar to what Rain has done, or the old WBS has done, building this LTE advanced network and then seeking roaming partners to come onto that network in the absence of new fiber of the sky. I mean, it really is giving them, giving you know, giving the ability to sell yes a little piece of that access to the customers. Yeah. And it's certainly in high demand. And certainly the the mobile operators, MT and Vodacom and Cell C, have, are desperate for access to the spectrum. And for Telcom too, because they don't have sub one gig spectrum, um, and so. You know, I think it would make sense for them to 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 do a roaming deal with one or more of the mobile operators, mm. which are desperate for this access to the spectrum because the government is bungling on the on, on making available additional spectrum mm. through the whole white paper um, mess. Yeah. So, uh, Vodacom has already signed a roaming agreement with uh, with with uh, Rain. So, I wouldn't mm. be surprised to see uh, maybe an MTN signing a roaming agreement with Neotel or Liquid Telecom South Africa, using the spectrum and then rolling out an infrastructure. And also, I think, paved the way very nicely for any other operators wanting to come in because yeah. now they're not just restricted to the top players, right? They indeed. can look around for LTE. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Maybe do data only, I mean. Yeah. So, you know, do they, does Neotel continue to service the consumer market directly or do they work through partners mm. Uh, mm. like Rain is doing? Um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, um, the market's changing, that's for, that's for sure. And I think that um, L- and Liquid Telecom taking advantage of that, those spectrum assets and perhaps making them available on a wholesale basis to other operators is going to, uh, is going to lead to some interesting dynamics in this market, certainly in the, you know, in the absence of the um, licensing of the 800 and 2.6 gigahertz bands, which, uh, you know, especially the digital dividend 800 megahertz band with the delays to digital migration, who knows when it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hmm. But uh, yeah, in Liquid Telecom, they're doing interesting stuff. Go check out that article. It was a really interesting interview that I had with uh, Kyle Whitehill. Richard, at this point, we need to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to the show, Richard. How's it? How's it, Duncan? So you've got an interesting story about hacking drones. Tell me about it. Yeah, so you, you're kind of familiar with all, all the uh, the. St- Everything going around drones these days, the fact that they're becoming more affordable, more people can buy them, but the limitations are, are needing to increase to prevent people from obviously you know, causing havoc in the skies. And we've already read some of these stories. 
Now, <laughs> this, uh, this came out, uh, I think, yesterday. A, a website called CoptisSafe now sells hacked modifications that you can buy, and they're not cheap, um, three, four, five hundred and fifty dollars um, for the Phantom 4, for the latest one. But this effect. Oh, so they sell the whole drone? No, no, no this is, this is uh, just for the software oh, that well. you use to hack. Yeah, oh, I mean, well. This is very expensive. Obviously, oh, well. somebody is it, uh, profiting it's, on it. It's, a, it's also a premium thing. You don't want every person to be able to unlock to. So you want to keep your hack you know, premium, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there'll, be so free, there'll be free mods at some point, though, sure. Probably, yeah. And that's going to be even worse. Now, what this does is you buy the software for your particular drone it's only it only works on DJI at the moment specific to the model that you want to, to hack but it unlocks um, top speed um, on the Mavic they t it, you can go up to 22 miles per hour instead of the stock 6 to 7 miles which I think is 20 to about 60 k's an hour if, I'm not mistaken, if my conversion is right um, and more worrying is it removes the height limitation of 500 meters mm. so a normal drone can only go higher can't go higher than 500 meters but with this unlocked firmware you can go even higher uh, one of the other hacks for uh, one of the other hacks available um, allows you to um, hack the software so you can add a FLIR digital camera. Now there are aftermarket options you can buy for some of the higher end uh, drones, but this obviously allows you to hack a Phantom. Now. I guess this is a little bit worrying because it means anybody can now remove these limitations and fire their drone literally anywhere. Granted, you can probably build your own drone and do the same thing, but because this thing is consumer, it's like you know mm. hacking your Apple to to do something, and that everybody's got an Apple. It's easy to get into those. It's it's kind of worrying from from that point of view. But yeah, they're probably going to get shut down very soon. I'm sure <laughs> DJI and the authorities are going to find a way to make life difficult for them. Um, I didn't even know that drones had these limitations built into them. Yeah, no-fly zones is a big thing. Again, you know, DJI, because they're one of the biggest brands in terms of the consumer side, their, their software, I think, with US legislation, has to be for them to sell it. So they have to be able to lock it So if it I go out. and stand on the runway at, or at Tampa International, my drone's not going to take off? Your, your, your DJI won't take off. If you got, I mean, if you haven't acted it and, you, and mm. everything is where it is, uh, yes, you won't be able to take off. There is a way around it if you apply for special licenses through DJI and you've got the right approvals. They will allow you to unlock it for a specific space. It takes time. Um, That's interesting. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, DJI actually also recently did a firmware upgrade, a little bit controversy created around it because yeah. you now have to register your drone with DJI. So they, they essentially want to know the person flying it. Yes. Um, they just want to verify you with the email address, telephone number, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and I can understand why because if a drone falls somewhere, you want to trace that thing back to the owner. Yeah, if it gets sucked into a 747. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, as as a as an avid phantom flyer, I, I can understand how dangerous these things can be. Yes, and the YouTube is full of videos of people flying drones over people and the thing crashing for whatever reason, or right. somebody flying into a building and it dropping on somebody. Right. I mean, whether you can kill somebody is probably debatable, but it's still going to cause some damage or some harm. And mm. if it goes into a Boeing, probably won't bring the Boeing down, but mm. it'll cause damage. And how much money would a diversion cost if mm -hmm. the plane has to land? It's it's. You can't have the skies full of uh, stuff like this. Mm. And it's it's only going to get. Um, uh, more difficult to man with more drones coming out, more brands releasing them. So, I mean, I'm all for, for the limitations. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow <laughs> these guys and see what's mm. going to happen. It's certainly not the way to do it. Mm. Uh, questions are being asked if this is an ethical um, you know, service to offer. You know, but, um, yeah, you do it at your own risk. And uh, it's obviously it doesn't, it's not advised by anybody, including DJI themselves. Sure. And uh, I think you could be, you could be fined or 
probably um, prosecuted if somebody finds you with the software on because it, it only means malicious intent. I'm sure somebody can find. Can you find someone? For, I mean, is there legislation against that in this country? No, if I look at, no, probably not. But mm. I mean, internationally, somebody's going to set the precedent for this, right? No. And the US probably, uh, this is probably going to happen there first as it usually mm. does. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is going to become like the um, the Android phone uh, market where you've got, uh, you know, you can root your phone and then install it, just about any software on it that you want to install on it? Like, like um, Probably. Um, but, you know, if you, if you root your Android phone, nothing, you know, what you're doing, you're just routing it to put software on that you want to run. Yeah. With a, with, with a device like this, you, you're routing it to do something it shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, and it's is not designed any, to is, handle is, those. Is there any reason you'd want to root your drone other than to do something nefarious? Look, I mean, the only reason why I can think of doing it is if, if, if I want to shoot video for About something. 500 meters, for example. Well, I mean, you're not allowed to legally. Yeah. So you break the law so if nefarious. you go. Yeah. I think 150 meters, in fact, is the, 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 the legal limit in okay. South Africa. Yeah, 500 meters is very high. It is very high. Uh -huh. um, helicopters would fly in that mm. um, flight path. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's two different things uh, in, term, in terms of the, the Android phone, you know, how would you act that and why would you want to do this? I, I can't think of a valid reason to mm. want to do this um, unless there's a functionality like the infrared that I want, but then you can buy, um, then you'll go out and buy the right gear. It might mm. be expensive, but it's still going to cost you five, 6,000 Rand to unlock this. Mm. I don't know. I only see malicious intent here. But mm. then again, if you really want to go down that route and you want to be a malicious drone pilot, you can mm. just build on yourself and then you control everything on it. Yes. So that you will, won't be bound to any limitations. Not yes. that I advocate doing that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because this is a commercial product, I think that's why the spotlight is on it and this. I mean, you don't mm. want kids to get access to this and go fly the drone in the woods or in <laughs> suburbs. Yeah. yeah, because the or parents the aren't pushing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let's be honest, there's a lot of idiots in this world. Uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. I, I'm always amazed when I'm uh, the, when I'm uh, trail running because they, increasingly they're using drones at events. Mm. So a few weeks ago, I was running along in the bush all by myself, <laughs> um, no one around. Next thing I know, what's that noise? Oh my god, there must be some sort of <laughs> killer insect approaching. Next thing, this drone It'd comes down. Hovers in front of me, filming me, and then oh, yeah. disappears again. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful. I've done some of those shots. It's 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 always tricky though. You don't want to get too close to people and because uh, anything can go wrong, especially yeah. if you're not line of sight, yes. which you're not supposed to be doing. Mm. No, but yeah, out in the bush, who's gonna who's gonna monitor that, right? It's, it's I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how this whole thing is going to turn out because something's gonna have to change or you know be put into place. Mm -hmm. There's a motorbike ribs outside. Um, I think that's pretty much the news, except I want to talk a bit about um, the Steam Summer Sale. Oh, take all my money. <laughs> Indeed, that's really taking my money. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you find it as problematic as I do, that they call it the Steam Summer Sale when we're sitting here in the middle of winter. In the middle of winter. Um, but it does make me feel warm and fuzzy, so I, I'll let it slip. Okay. Um, you know, perhaps it's <laughs> too much coding effort to call, to call it the Steam Winter Sale when IP addresses from the Southern Hemisphere connect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know, they just need to be clever with the development. Yeah. Yeah, um, but um, I thought it would be a bit of fun actually for the podcast this week to uh, to talk about some of the games that are on uh, special on the Steam Summer Sale at the moment, mm. and of course it's going to change over the next few weeks while this uh, while the sale is going on. But uh, I always look forward to it every year. I'm a, I'm a casual gamer. I'm not a hardcore gamer, but um, I do uh, I do enjoy uh, grabbing a good bargain. Yes, um, even if uh, I don't spend a lot of time playing the games I actually purchase. Um, but I thought it'd be great to um, maybe um, pull out a few picks uh, uh, of games we've seen, and yeah, literally, yeah. Hard, you know, 
probably 80% of the stuff in that store is on on, on, on sale at the moment. Um, but uh, some games that really caught my attention, which uh, which I really have been enjoying. A couple of these games I actually did purchase uh, prior to the Steam uh, summer sale, which I'm a bit grieved about. <laughs> but um, um, I, I picked five games which which uh, which I really have been enjoying and which I think are, are really good value uh, currently on sale. And um, uh, my first pick is Rocket League. I don't know if you've played that, Rechard. Mm, no, I haven't, but uh, I've got a lot of friends who love yeah. that game. It's a brilliant game. You, you, it basically, it's about knocking a, a big ball around in vehicles inside a, a velodrome. If you <laughs> um, it's all about the physics. Great fun. Uh, it's a um, great multiplayer game as well. Uh, that's all 40% at the moment. And it's Mac compatible, I see. Nice. Oh, good. I need to okay. get it, yeah. Um, and that's 131 bucks in the store right now in Rand. Uh, then the new Doom um, which at one point I think was retailing for eight or nine hundred bucks, wow. is now uh, on sale for two hundred rand, and uh, it's very impressive. Uh, if you enjoyed the old, good Doom back in the nineteen nineties, mm. uh, it's a very modern update of that. Uh, very impressive graphics. Um, yes, yes. Ultra, ultra violent. <laughs> um, I mean, blood and gore <laughs> and bits everywhere. Uh, but it's a brilliant game. It's really, really, really a, um, you know, it's a great shooter. If you like playing shooters and, and blowing things up and stuff, nice. uh, killing aliens. Uh, uh, Doom, uh, the Doom remake is, is fantastic, yes, yes. and it's currently on sale for two hundred bucks. And um, my third pick on the Steam Summer Sales week is Rise of the Tomb Raider, great um, uh, adventure game, really. Um, it's it's a linear adventure game um, uh, crossed with, I guess, with a sort of basic first-person shooter sort of concept. Um, fantastic game if you enjoyed the Lara Croft games. This latest in the in the series is currently on sale at just two hundred and eighty rand, off sixty percent. Um, well worth it uh, if you're a fan of the franchise. Um, then a game that I think m- many people may not have heard of. Uh, it's called The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. It's a mystery adventure game mm-hmm. uh, where you've got to solve uh, a, um, a murder. Uh, it's 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 the graphics are absolutely beautiful. It's there's no sort of action in the game. It's very much. Uh, you know, you wander around in this beautiful forested landscape and uh, and explore and try to, uh, you know, solve clues. Um, yes, yes. I guess not quite the same as Myst, but uh, maybe a, a sort of a similar-ish sort of concept, mm. perhaps. Mm, mm. Um, but it's a really great game. It's really relaxing, great, uh, great music, um, uh, uh, and um, best played with the lights off uh, <laughs> on, a, on a big monitor. Really, Something scary. Really fun. It doesn't have a few scary moments, actually. Um, an exploration game, and you, I think you played for the graphics. Actually, um, it's beautiful. It's beautifully done. That is currently off eighty-five percent at just 33, wow. 33 rand. Um, so it's a bit of a no-brainer, I think. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, go check that out. And then um, uh, 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 this platformer game that I absolutely love called Orient: The Blind Forest. The definitive edition is available uh, this at the moment on the Steam Summer Sale, off fifty percent at one hundred and ten bucks. Uh, so those are my picks in the Steam summer sale. We'll have to revisit this in a week or two, uh, depending on how the, <laughs> how the, the, sales the sale progresses. But um, those those are all great picks. I'd recommend Rocket League, Doom, Rise of the Tomb Raider, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, and Ori and the Blind Forest. Rechard, what have you got? So let me start with the picks that I won't be buying. Okay. Euro Truck Simulator 2. <laughs> Look, it's 54 Rand. Farming, so, Simulator, mean, it's, 3. It's <laughs> Farming Simulator 3. Farming Simulator 3. And the other one I definitely won't be buying, and I've never even, I can't believe somebody made this game. It's called Job Simulator. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I went straight past it. I thought my life is Job Simulator. 30% <laughs> off, 223 Rand. What? Anyway, that's wow. the games that, that, that piqued my interest. Civilization 5. Now, I've never really played Civilization, but 
I recently found myself yearning for the old Age of Empires games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it's available on Mac. 92% off for the complete edition. 92%? So it's 134 Rand as opposed to 1,600 Rand. So that's a bargain. That's just for one game? That's for the bundle. So you have oh, right. Civilization V plus all the expansions. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah. That's that sounds pretty stuff. cool. Um, one of my all-time favorite games, uh, which I've played on console, but uh, on Windows available, um, Imp- uh, sorry, South Park, The Stick of Truth, <laughs> 75% off, 99 Rand. I've, which, play, I've played that, actually. It's quite fun. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, the franchise. Um, then my final pick, uh, second last pick, um, is Heroic Dungeon, which yeah. is a very cool little platformer game um, with dungeons and skeletons and monsters, and it's... it's um, like a puzzle-based game. I haven't installed it yet, um, but I have bought it because okay. it's only 26 Rand. Oh, well. Well worth it. And my last pick, uh, a classic, and something that's only that I've only seen now is available on Mac, so I'm definitely going to get it, um, is Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Which was a great game. Uh, that is a zombie 2009. game. 2009, yeah, that's it, yeah. I think I've played that one. Um, yeah, when I was a gaming journalist for, for a short stint, that was one of the games that I really loved. We played yeah. a lot of um, online co-op with it. So, yeah, I'm quite keen to put it on my Mac and then play a little bit in the office. It's 90% off for only 21 Rand. I mean, you almost can't not buy it. Yeah, it's so cheap. It's so cheap, yeah. Some of these big-name games, I mean, are still, even though they're a lot of, they're a lot off, they're still quite pricey. I'm looking at Planet Coaster. That's 33% off, but it's still 422 Rand. Sure, yeah. Um, Sniper Elite 4, which I've heard is an outstanding game, uh, set in Italy. Uh, is 50% off, but that's still just under 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, although I believe it's excellent, so uh, maybe this weekend I'm going to hold out the old credit card. Yeah, look, I mean, you just have to buy these and save these, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you, you, you're not going to... You, some of these you'll, you'll buy now and you won't play for months. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But, but you've got to take advantage. There. You've got to take advantage of the sale, for sure. For sure. I do the same thing with uh, Udemy, actually. They've got a lot of sales on online courses. Um, oh, yeah. And I bought some CSS programming stuff because I want to learn a little bit more of that kind of thing. I'm mm. not quite a CSS master. But, I mean, to pay like 50 Rand for a course that normally is six, 700 Rand, mm. again, you just buy it, keep it, and uh, you mm. reference it as you need it. Hmm. Cool. We might revisit this uh, Steam Summer Sale in a future podcast. Um, I forget when it ends. I think it's first week of July. So yeah, fifth, somewhere somewhere I saw something like uh, early July. Mm. Something like that. Um, but we may revisit in our next podcast, depending on what we what we see. Yes. Um, if you've seen any cool stuff on the Steam Summer Sale, drop us a line. We might include it in that podcast. Our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Uh, let's move on to our um, regular features. And uh, our winner this week is Vinny Lingham, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, because he's just, uh, I keep using the word term raised. He says that's not the right term to use. He says it's booked revenue <laughs> through an initial coin offering. Uh, if you want to know what that is, go and listen to the podcast we did with Vinny. Um, it's uh, He used the Ethereum blockchain, I think, uh, and mm. I, I'm certainly no expert on the subject, but uh, as I understand, he used the Ethereum blockchain or whatever it is that underpins Ethereum. Uh, and uh, uh, he did this initial coin offering, which is um, people buy t- tokens of value, uh, um, which gives them 
Um, no, I'm going to explain this. <laughs> go and insert to link to pod, insert, podcast. Yeah. Insert link to podcast. Yeah, go listen to Vinny's podcast. Uh, I'm still trying to get my head around uh, initial coin offerings and uh, the blockchain and uh, all the rest of it. It's uh, a fascinating area that I do not know enough about. So I am going to go and educate myself on that mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Like I uh, spent considerable time earlier this year educating on myself on the security space. Um, uh, but go listen to that Vinny podcast. He's raised 33 raised. He's generated $33 million sure. in revenue through the through this initial coin uh, offering. Um, that's what, over 400, 450 million rand. Mm. Not bad. It's very impressive. Not bad. And uh, that's for his um, startup called Civic, uh, which I think he launched officially only a few months ago. Mm. Um, uh, Vinny Lingham, of course, is uh, um, a South African entrepreneur who now lives in San Francisco, in, in uh, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, in fact, in Palo Alto, I think he's based. Mm. Nice. And uh, he has um, he's run and he's uh, had a number of uh, successful businesses. Uh, his last business, Gift, mm. he sold to an American company called First Data Corporation, I think, uh, and um, that was rumored to be a fifty dollar plus fifty million dollar plus sale. Um, so he's doing doing well for a South African. Oh, good track record so far. Well done, yeah. Vinny. Yeah, that's our winner this week, Vinny Lingham. And then I'll lose it this week. An obvious pick. We uh, went to rehash it. It's Trevor Travis. Kalanick or Kalanick, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, the, um, the now former CEO of, of Uber. Richard, what's your pick this week? So, Duncan, I've been toying with this uh, little Bluetooth speaker for a while now, and I was, I've been loath to pick it because I did do some work for one of the companies that sell them, but I think you would agree with me when you listen to the audio that the audio isn't bad for this little Bluetooth speaker. It's called the Fusion Stereo Active. Yeah. But what makes it different to your normal portable Bluetooth speaker is the fact that this thing is waterproof and it floats. Oh. So it's really designed for you know outdoor lifestyle market, but you can mount it on your kayak or your boat um, and yeah, have you know have a fun time on the water with music playing. If it falls in the water, it's not a problem. You mm. can just uh, lift it out. Um, it will float. It's it's available in some bright colors, so it, it's mm. great. Very ruggedized, fully waterproof. It's very ruggedized. Yeah, the um, the, the ports. The, there's a USB port where you can plug in a memory stick, um, and the charging port. Uh, it's it's got like the screw caps. Um, uh, so that you know obviously they're waterproof there's also a little safe that you can put in the bottom of this it's called a safe it's just a little attachment that you can put your phone in so mm. everything you carry with you your phone can be bluetooth to the speaker but everything is sealed basically in a waterproof casing which I find very handy it also has AM and FM radio which oh, yes. is quite handy um, yeah it's selling for just over 4,000 rand sure um, okay. not cheap but I mean it's waterproof this thing yeah. isn't going to break you know, no. I, I st- I've got a jawbone um, speaker bluetooth speaker that I still love and I use it all the time yeah um, this is much louder than that. Obviously, it's a bit more expensive, but the fact that it's waterproof, I think, is a key for many people who want to, mm. you know, mm. be the outdoor water, you know, be on the water with a kayak. I've got a friend who's a kayaker, and he loves this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Fusion Stereo Active. Cool. No, it looks pretty cool. And uh, if you're if you're into boating and you like music, then uh, something like that would make absolute sense. Or if you want to, yeah, lie by the pool or by the beach, I think that's also another, mm. another potential. Um, use for it but yeah, yeah that's it yeah looks pretty cool my pick this week is uh, something a, a bit um, a bit from left field I suppose it's called uh, a Sensit it's uh, made by a French company called Sigfox and uh, um, Squidnet the subsidiary of Dark Fiber Africa was kind enough to send this to me to play around with it's uh, it's a Internet of Things sensor that connects to the Sigfox network that Squidnet is deploying in South Africa. Uh, they're using the 800 and something megahertz band. Um, it's a narrow band network. Um, 
uh, Internet of Things network. Uh, and this is a little rechargeable uh, device. I don't know if they sell these uh, or whether it's just a device for testing the network. I suspect it may be the latter. I'm looking on the website and they do have it on there. So I'm sure okay. I can't see if you can buy it yet, okay. um, but on the sensor.i website. Mm. It's a quite a cool little little toy. This, um, unfortunately, at home I don't have a signal for that. But as soon as I you know move around in Johannesburg, it's uh, it seems to have pretty widespread coverage, uh, and the the company has rolled out. Swidnet has rolled out coverage to most of the the big urban areas in South Africa. Now, what it does is it's got a whole range of sensors built into this thing, um, and it it'll ping the data to the network at uh, predefined intervals. Uh, we're sitting in this uh, room here in Randburg at the moment, for example, and I've got the temperature. Uh, uh, sensor activated on this device, so uh, every so often it's sending a temperature reading um, via the IoT network, which I can then access through a dashboard on the internet, uh, and I can see, for example, that the temperature in this room right now, or at the last reading, which was uh, a few minutes ago, the uh, temperature in this room is 24.1 degrees and the relative humidity is 31%. Mm. Now, you can change um, the reading that this device sends the network. So it's got a light sensor, for example. Um, it's got a, a door sensor. Uh, so if you attach it to a door, it'll tell you if a door's been opened. That's very handy. It's got a vibration sensor and it has a magnet sensor as well. Um, so you can use it for a, a range of things. Um, you know, I'd imagine the temperature and humidity one would be useful in, in a you know, in a fridge, for example, where you want to... Your bolt-on box? Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, is your beer ready for drinking? Yes. <laughs> no, that's it. Um, um, yeah. But I suppose in, 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 in commercial environments, you could use this in, a, in, in cold storage, for example, on a truck that's delivering meat, mm. uh, and it'll send an alert to you if uh, the temperature varies by more than a certain amount so that you know that there's a problem, mm. uh, and you can attend to it before the, all of the, that meat goes off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's so many applications for, the, for IoT sensors, and I think we're just in the very early days of it here in South Africa. But it's quite cool to be able to play around with one of these devices very in cool. the early stages. Um, there's quite a few of these networks being built, um, but um, SquidFox, SquidFox, SquidNet, I beg your pardon, developing a SigFox network here in South Africa uh, has certainly taken an early lead in this space. And um, it's quite cool to play around with one of these sensor devices. I don't know if you can buy it. I probably should have checked before this podcast. But uh, go have a look at the SquidNet website. Um, and I'm sure you can find more information there and uh, possibly order one of these online. Um, but it's called the Sensit 2.1 IoT device. Um, and it records temperature, humidity, light, um, vibrations, and magnetism. I'm so excited for IoT. It's, uh, I mean, imagine the kind of things you can just put onto this network that give yeah. you, I mean, even you know, a little sensor that you can put on a drawer you know, yes. let you know what happens with a drawer. Yes. Yeah, I, love the, I love the concept. And I'm you can use, about that. use the concept of if this, then that yes. technology is to, to trigger different um, reactions. So, for example, if you attach this to a door in your house, uh, and the door opens, you could then um, set up a, a little script that says, okay, if, if that door opens, then fire up the camera in this room and take a photograph. Mm. Or, mm. Uh, or uh, put on the lights or play this music. I yeah. mean, there's a million things you can do. Yeah. If it's me coming into the house, yes. put on that Iron Maiden album that you love so much. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or put an IoT device in your dog collar, for example, and if mm. your dog goes somewhere he's not supposed to go, uh, send an alert. Yes, your dog yes. has left your property or... Uh, um, you know, you could you could do just about anything. Uh, uh, if you know you've got some item of value that you don't want to lose, mm -hmm. attach a little mm -hmm. IoT sensor to it. If it 
if it if it goes outside a certain geofence, then yes. then um, you know I mean, raise the authority, call the authorities. <laughs> um, there's so many different things you can do with this that uh, you know the, charge the rail guns. So. It's exactly it's limited by the imagination, really. Um, but it's cool to see these networks being deployed. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Cool. I think that is our show. Um, as always. Oh wait. <laughs> I always forget. Let's go to the quiz. Let me kick off with the first question. Liquid Telecom said this week it is issuing a new bond seeking to raise how much money? And for a bonus point, uh, who is the lead advisor? Uh, they're raising $600 million through the bond, and the lead advisor is Standard Bank. The second question, Uber CEO Travis Kalalnik quit this week. Which top female technology industry executive has been tipped as a possible successor? The answer there is Sheryl Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, obviously. I don't, I can't see her leaving Facebook, though, to be honest. Mm. Uh, a third question this week: Civic, the new startup led by South African tech entrepreneur Vinnie Lingham, made how much money this week in an initial coin offering? And that was, of course, thirty-three million US dollars. The fourth question: Amazon this week announced it was buying which physical world retailer, and for a bonus point, how much is it paying? The answer there is Whole Foods Market and uh, $13.7 billion for that uh, purchase. Very interesting to see Amazon buying a, a physical world retailer and spending so much money on it. Apparently they got it, uh, if, if, if they look at the, the money they spent versus the market cap afterwards, they got it for free because I think uh, I did the valuation went up to 14.7 or something. Uh, uh, I'm not quite one that. that. But yeah. anyway, they, it was a good buy for them apparently. And our last question in our quiz this week, how many companies have taken advantage of a sunrise phase to register their trademarks as dot .africa domains? And we said we'd take your answer to the nearest 100, uh, and the answer is 981 companies. Hmm. It's quite a few, but I it's thought it would be more. Yeah. yeah, I would have thought so as well, but uh, apparently it's been one of the most successful um, sunrise phases for a new domain anywhere oh, in the fantastic. world. Um, a little bit did you? Did you uh, no. no. Was it, I think, six or 700 rand if I'm not mistaken? Uh, oh, it's more than that because you had to go through, uh, I mean, you effectively had to use a law firm, otherwise it was too damn complicated. Oh, really? Yeah. I went through the process because we've registered uh, techcentral.africa. Oh, okay. Um, which is now done. Nice. Um, so how much did it, I mean, what did, what's the cost for the actual domain then? I'm not sure. It was all in the legal fees. Okay. Oh, so it's all wrapped up in Yeah, yeah. We hired um, Spur and Fisher to, to go and register it for us. Okay. It wasn't cheap, but uh, at okay. least I didn't have to spend my So I thought your 60 rand.co.za, which is no. <laughs> premium, I think. No, no. I mean, the price of the domains is coming down. So um, if you want to register something a year from now, I think it's going to be quite cheap, I think. I forget the figure, but it's... If your name is available, too. I think the Sunrise phase also to get those early adopters... It's expensive. ...to register their official it's domains. It's expensive to get in, in this early stage and there's a trademark clearinghouse involved and there's a there's two tra there's two trademark houses involved I forget the details but um, we're planning to do a podcast with with uh, the um, ZA what they called ZACR ZA yes, Central yes, Registry yes, yes, uh, sometime in the next few weeks to actually explain exactly what the process is it's quite complicated um, but the sunrise phase is now done and there were 981 registrants there uh, that that sunrise phase to participate in it is not cheap mm. um, there, there's another process as well um, there's this I forget let's rather wait for that podcast there's oh, that's going to be an interesting podcast yeah um, because um, the, you can end up paying even much more than that as well if, if you're looking for a particular uh, domain that's likely to be very popular, like mm. music.africa, for example. Okay, yeah. Then it's almost a bidding process, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Mm. Um, but you, you're not, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a, a basic word.africa, you can pretty much, you know, yeah, unless you're a, you've got very deep pockets, you can pretty much forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. 
Um, but the whole process will be open uh, to the public quite soon. I think it's only a matter of months and then it's mm. open. But there's a sliding scale of the pricing. So if you, if you, even when there's general availability, you're still going to pay above the odds. A year from now, the price drops again. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, even if you're going to get in early in the general availability phase and you've, you've waited through the whole sunrise phase and the trademark applications and all the rest of it, and you can just go and register a name now, you're still mm. going to pay. Mm. It'll be a premium because, I mean, you'll have two words as your URL, something.africa, which yeah. is yeah. sort of, I'm sure. Indeed, indeed. Um, I don't know if we're going to change Tech Central to techcentral.africa. I'm, I'm really in two minds about it at this stage. Um, Quite future-proofing. It's future-proofing, and I just wanted to make sure we have the domain so that it doesn't cyber squatter doesn't get mm. on it because yeah. it's a valuable domain. No, exactly. And, and as an entity like Tech Central, you need it. You need to protect that and uh, go through the exercise too. Yeah, so. yeah. But you're right. Less than a thousand uh, names is, is 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 a bit surprising. I would have thought it would be more than that because um. You know, Certainly more than that amount of companies, or oh, many companies. There are hundreds of thousands of companies. Um, certainly not all of them need to protect that domain, but uh, um, you know, I would imagine all the big companies would want to do it. So I'd, you know, I would imagine that, uh, and, and I'd imagine all the big companies have, have sub-brands that they want to protect as well. I mean, if you look at Nuspers, they'd want, probably want to register Africa. then they've got MultiChoice as a subsidiary that they probably want to register mm. MultiChoice.Africa, and then they've got DSTV and Mnet and Supersport and you know, yes. you'd imagine they'd want to register all of the .Africa domains yeah. there. And you'd imagine that's the same for That'd every big corporate. More. So, hmm, I don't know. Interesting. Maybe they've grouped the 981 as, as, as uh, customers customers rather than as actual domains. Um, Maybe. But we'll have that discussion soon with uh, with the ZACR mm. and actually get the real detail of what this is all about. Looking forward to that. It should be a fascinating discussion, yeah. yeah. And we've got some interesting podcasts, uh, podcasts coming up in the next few weeks, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, got a very interesting one actually next week. I won't uh, give away the game yet, <laughs> but uh, look out next Thursday. We've got a very interesting podcast on the future of television in South Africa, nice. which I'm really looking forward to. But that's our show. Uh, as always, if you've got any feedback, do drop us a mail info at techcentral.co.za. We love hearing from you and we do read all your mails. Uh, if you've uh, seen anything cool in the Steam summer sale, drop us a line and we'll include it in the next podcast for sure. Yeah. Uh, info at techcentral.co.za. From Rechard and myself, until next time, take care. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.